Good morning, and welcome back to Dudamus Maximus Helps. Um, this is a podcast dedicated for caretakers, all kinds of caretakers in the world nowadays. Um, there's so many things to mention, so much information to be had. I can only share little bits at a time. Um, I don't want to overwhelm people. Some people get overwhelmed easily. I wasn't one of those people. But as you know, if you've listened to this podcast for a while, I took care of, of my wife until ultimately she passed away. And I did everything I could to stop it. But when the man upstairs wants to call you home, you cannot stop that. I know. I tried on several occasions. I did the best I could. Um, I had my whole heart into it. I was given 175% the whole time that I was taking care of her. But ultimately, her demise was uh, dictated by the person upstairs. And for me, I know she's in a, a much more comfortable place now. She's not hurting like she used to down here on the earth. Um, she was in pain every day. It was a struggle with pain pills. It was a struggle just to get her pain level managed. Um, we're lucky to have a pain management doctor involved and he and I worked together and we stayed right at the ragged edge of, you know, making sure that her pain was diminished from a 10 to like a six or a seven. We could never get it below that. She was constantly in pain. Um, it got to where she could hardly walk. She, you know, had to be helped to the bathroom. She had to be helped in and out of the shower. Um, she had a, a wheelchair, which was electric, but she never used it. She said that was too debilitating for her. I kind of get it. I mean, I understand that you want to stay with your own laurels as long as you can before you start needing help. But she took several falls along the way. I can tell you how many times I'd take her to the emergency room because I'd be sound asleep and I'd hear her fall in the middle of the night and I'd jump up and have to be very careful about picking her up. And, you know, that's one of those things when you go from zero to a hundred miles an hour in the snap of a finger, just like that. Love the crap out of that woman. I'm glad she's in a better place now though. I'll eventually see her again one of these days, you know, but until then I'm not in any hurry to see anybody else. I'm, you know, kind of dabbled with this online dating thing a little bit. Uh, it's not really working out for me. I don't like some of the uh, prospects are not exactly what I was looking for, but, you know, and I don't want to be like settling for second best or, you know, settling because I have to, because I'm, as my young guys would say, thirsty, because I'm not thirsty. I mean, when you go through an experience like I went through, you realize that you've given it your all, man. You had your whole heart into it and you can't stop death. I mean, there's not a whole bunch more in life that's going to surprise you. So, uh, just want caretakers out there, be strong and patient and be, have your heart that you're ready to have stepped on, have a big heart, share it with the person that you're, uh, caretaking for, but also, uh, let them share some of themselves with you. So they're, it's not that they're bad people. It's just that sometimes pain makes you do bad things. It makes you say horrible things. Um, you just have to be prepared, man, because you never know what you're going to walk into. It's a tricky situation, a slippery slope all the way around. So as a caretaker, be the best caretaker you can be. It's just, it's not something that I'm like asking or requesting of you. I'm just saying to be the best caretaker, you have to be the best you, you can be. I mean, you have to not put your left foot forward. You have to step with your right foot forward every time. And no matter the situation, sometimes you have to compromise. Be that compromising person, man. Be willing to settle uh, an argument with something, especially if it's over something small. I mean, don't don't make a small 
battle turn into a major fight. You know, don't do that. Just just compromise. It'll make the day 100% better, I guarantee it. So for you caretakers out there, I say kudos to you. You're unique people. Um, not everybody could do this. Some people go their whole lives without ever having to caretake for somebody. And then in the end, they may, may need caretaking for but. When you go through an experience like I went through and that you're going through now, you'll understand. There, you're, there's a special uh, gene, extra gene in your body. And one of these days, you'll see what it's for. You'll recognize it and say, oh, okay, that's why I went through all this. All right, I think I spoke up a little caretaking long enough. Um, didn't give out any websites this time. I will be a little more prepared for that next time. Don't want to be repetitive. I have the same old websites here. Uh, matter of fact, I'll just go ahead and give out a couple of them in case you missed the last episode. If you're taking care of an autistic person or child, um, there's several different resources you can go to. I'll just give out two of them. Um, AutismSpeaks.org is one of them, and that's spelled A-U-T-I-S-M-S-P-E-A-K-S dot O-R-G. AutismSpeaks.org, all one thing. The next one is Autism um, Society. And there it's autism, A-U-T-I-S-M hyphen S-O-C-I-E-T-Y dot org. That's autism hyphen society dot org. There's other types of caretakers out there too. And I mentioned the last episode, I guess I'll just say it again. I was caretaking for one particular disorder when another one reared its ugly head and it was cancer. And it was so far along, nobody had detected it up to this point. I'm afraid she had it for years and years. And it was the missing link in her puzzle and it caused a lot of other weird things. But I was caretaking for a list of diseases including lupus, pulmonary arterial hypertension, uh, neuropathy, fibromyalgia, uh, FOP, which is a hole in the heart. I was caretaking for all these things and totally prepared for anything to come along except for cancer. When they diagnosed her with cancer, she went quick. You know, it was a matter of like five months. She was out of there. And I felt bad to watch her go down. But another way, I felt better because I knew that the pain she was experiencing now when she got to her final and took her last breath, she wasn't going to be experiencing that anymore. And she, she didn't look peaceful in the end. But I know in my heart of hearts, they, she did look peaceful. When we got to the funeral home, everything went a little smooth. And they, the funeral home did a real nice job on her. Got through the whole funeral process without anybody, you know, completely breaking down and wailing and made her out to the, the burial site. And that's where I left her and I've been back twice since then. So be prepared, man. As a caretaker, be prepared. And if when cancer reared its ugly head, I didn't really have a chance to prepare. But if I would have, I would have simply went to cancer.org, C-A-N-C-E-R dot org. And there's also a cancer.net, C-A-N-C-E-R dot N-E-T. And I understand that both of those places, um, you, there's resources for people you know who are caretakers for cancer patients. One of them was um, cancercare.org, and I understand they have a wealth of resources, and that is C-A-N-C-E-R-C-A-R-E.org, cancercare.org. All right, now I've spoken up plenty enough on the caretaker thing, man. Be strong, be ready to have your heart stepped on all in the same breath. It's going to require that. Okay. And get a drink real quick while my whistle. On to today's episode. It's called All About What Influenced You as a Kid. My last episode, I talked about do you think we had it easy when we were growing up? And I kind of mentioned some cartoons and stuff that affected us, but there were like TV shows on TVs in the 70s and 80s that nowadays would probably be banned. Uh, for instance, back in the 70s, there was The Six Million Dollar Man. 
Lee Majors played the $6 million man, Colonel Steve Austin, who was sent on a trip into space, and upon re-entry, the capsule uh, broke apart, and he was barely living, and they more or less brought him back to life. And they installed bionic parts in him. He had two bionic legs, he had a, a bionic eye, he had uh, a bionic uh, right arm. So he, here he was this exceptional being among other individuals who could literally rip you from limb from limb if he wanted to and you know the term nowadays stomp a mud hole with two bionic legs can you imagine the mud hole that uh steve austin the six million dollar man could stomp it would be pretty hellacious so he he was in all these adventures and one particular one that i remember specifically well there's actually two but one good one here recently was when everything was, Russia was against us back then because we, we were, you know, didn't have the communications, the technology that we have now. So we were left wondering a lot more and we had to put the pieces together to the puzzle in a different manner because the puzzle has changed nowadays with all this technology. But a Russian probe had landed and it was in, happened to be in sunny Southern California where they were at. Um, on right by the the base that the, uh, Steve Austin is stationed out of, it just happened to be in the proximity, and he had to fight this machine. And he talked back then; it was all high tech. They had like a little tank thing, and it was round. It looked like a spaceship. It had little arms on it that had little cutters in the front, and they had other arms that would swing out of it. One of them had a, a gun. One of them had a laser beam. I mean, this was all high tech stuff. Uh, one of them was a missile launcher. Excuse me, but and Steve Austin came up against this thing, and we're like. It's kind of hokey the way he went about it, man. This he acted like the machine was that tough, man. He at one point was on a bulldozer and could have just smashed it, lifted up the the bucket of the bulldozer, the the blade on the front, and just smashed it. And they really stretched it out, you know, into different episodes. So I mean, into make the whole episode. By this point in the show, they're reaching at straws. In the beginning, it was kind of cool. Here's a spaceman who got blown apart in reentry, was re-put back together and had super superhero quality powers. And at first he was fighting evil and stuff, and then everything became against somebody else's government or against some kind of weird thing that you don't regularly see in life. So, for instance, another episode that I remember vividly is when he took on Bigfoot. He was in the mountains with Bigfoot. And uh, it was famous because Andre the Giant, the famous wrestler, played Bigfoot in this episode, but you couldn't tell because of the suit they made. You could not tell it was Andre the Giant at all. And this is Andre the Giant in his younger days when he was a lot slimmer than Andre the Giant in his older days. Uh, he and Steve Austin get into a fight, and it turns out Steve Austin pulls off one of his arms, and <laughs> it's a robot. They made Bigfoot into a robot, and then it ran into the side of a mountain, which had a time warp in it and stuff, and it got into a spaceship, and I think escaped via spaceship, and Steve Austin couldn't catch up to him. But, in the same episode, he where did the Bigfoot arm go? I remember watching this episode as a kid. I said, man, he just ripped his arm off, and it looked like he threw it on the ground. The Bigfoot runs off, and Steve Austin is chasing him. They jump down a ravine and run through there. And at the end of the show, they were talking about, you know, they didn't have any evidence of, you know, what was left over of anything like that. And I, the whole time was like, you ripped his arm off, Steve Austin. It's probably laying up there in the woods somewhere, man. If you get back up there, you'll probably find the Bigfoot arm and can do some diet, you know, some research like you and um, Rudy, who was the doctor on the show, and figure it out. So lots of unusual stuff back in the 70s to watch on TV. And there were other, after the $6 million man was so popular, they had the Bionic Woman, uh, Jamie Summers. Lindsay Wagner played her. 
and she had some sort of a skydiving accident where a parachute didn't open. She hit the ground, and she was near death as well. And uh, Dr. Rudy and, uh, got a hold of her, and they gave her two bionic legs, a bionic arm, and they gave her a bionic ear so she could hear, you know, with precision quality. One episode I remember, though, had another famous person on it. It had Evil Knievel on it. And this was an episode that they did in Germany. And at the start of the episode, you see Jamie Summers running uh, through a, uh, in towards a stadium where Evil Knievel is jumping when she runs into the stadium because she's chasing this uh, KGB guy. And he's from East Germany. And back then, that's when the Berlin Wall was still up. So he's trying to get back over to the other side, and he figures if he runs into this crowd of people in the stadium watching Evil Knievel jump, that he can get away. Well, sure enough, he's got uh, one of his, he arranges for one of his cronies, KGB cronies, to be in the basement where they park the cars, and he runs down there, and he gets away. Well, Jamie Summers, you know, with her bionic legs, is supposed to run so fast, this car isn't hardly moving, but she's keeping, kind of keeping pace and stuff. Well, after the jump, Evil Knievel comes out of the stadium, out of the same parking garage, and is going to go do some charity jump for some German thing that's going to raise millions and millions of dollars for uh, bikers that have been hurt. So <laughs> during this episode, the they're in the Mercedes, the KGB are, and Jamie's running up out of the garage after him, and they come out of a different exit. Well, they go by the exit that Evil Knievel comes out, and he has to skid to a stop or run into, risk running into the side of this Mercedes Benz. Jamie Summers immediately jumps on the back, doesn't realize it's Evil Knievel, and starts speaking German, saying, Mach schnell, Mach schnell. And orders, she basically kidnaps him and makes him chase this car. Well, this car gets over to the East uh, East Germany side, and they get through the gate, and they're in the process of putting the gate back down, and here comes Evil Knievel and the bionic woman on the back of the motorcycle, and they run, and now she has made him crash into a foreign country, so he's like an enemy of our country, an enemy of their country, he's just an outcast, just like her. This whole episode goes on and on, it's so hokey, because here I'm thinking... You know, if you tried to kidnap Evil Knievel nowadays and make him, you know, ride you somewhere on his motorcycle and stuff, there's going to be a cop there at the end to arrest. Now, they're not just going to put you in jail. They're going to throw you under the jail. Nonetheless, as a kid, we used to wait every week, you know, for these episodes to come out. I was in like 7th, 8th, or ninth grade, and I was like, man, I wonder what the Bonnick woman's going to do next. But then that episode came out, and I was like, did she just kidnap Evil Knievel? And then... After they cross the border, the guards start shooting at him. And I'm like, now she's risking Evil Knievel's life just so they can get this tape that these KGB agents stole. So, long story short, and they're trying to get back over to West Germany. And she doesn't believe it's Evil Knievel. Jamie Summers doesn't believe it's Evil Knievel. There comes a bridge jump where they have to jump across this bridge. And it's probably a 40-foot span. You know, it's 30 or 40-foot span according to what it looked like on TV. And she still doesn't believe it's Evil Knievel. Well, halfway through the jump, they both bail off the bike, and the bike falls into a river, and, I mean, it goes underneath the water, and uh, they're laying up on bank. Well, the uh, helicopter's up above flying around. The KGB agents, they say, they crashed into the river. So, But it's all garbled like a Russian type of stuff, you know, but you could be, it's broken English. It's like Spanglish, only it'd be Russian English. So... They climb out of the river. They help each other out. And he's like, I just want to go home. Evil Knievel said, I've got 50,000 people waiting on me to do a jump. And then these agents come and arrest him. And she's like, yes, we get taken to the KGB headquarters. We'll be able to get that tape. So here she's forcing Evil Knievel to do all this stuff. I'm like, Evil, just tell him you were kidnapped. Just tell them you were kidnapped, man. They're liable to let you go. They get back to the Russian headquarters. and a lot. 
they have a guard that gets posted outside their door. Will they act like she bends the bars open on the window and breaks the window and acts like she's jumped out where the guard comes running in. And they, Evelyn Knievel and her right behind the door, the guard can't see immediately runs to the window. So his back is towards him and she gets up behind him. She's bent the bars out and she acts like she's got a gun in her hand. And Evelyn Knievel saying, that's a luger in your back. You better do what we say. So the guy puts his head in the bars and she bends the bars back and gets him captured in there. And then they undress this guy, take his guard uniform off. And then they make, she makes Evil Knievel wear this guard uniform and act like she's escorting her to uh, get this tape. This, it was, a, the whole thing was so hokey. I, as an adult, I look back now and I go, oh, well, it turns out in the end, Evil Knievel, they escape. Uh, they've got the tape. Uh, Rudy Goldman, I mean, Oscar Goldman and Rudy, the doctor come and help him, even though they had ordered her not to go do this. She went and did it anyway. So she's disobeying orders from a direct government agent, which is another thing you're not supposed to do. Here are all these, if I was an adult, I'd be like red flag, red flag, red flag. And I turn around and say, did anybody else see the red flags? Another thing is the bike went into the river and then it just magically appears later in the episode with the two helmets on it. And they were wearing the helmets and carried them to shore. So I don't know if maybe they didn't show them fishing the bike out of the river, but it looks clean. It doesn't look like it was underwater at all. And I'm like, and then they showed the same video of, of her and Evil Knievel taking off out of the stadium. At the end, they showed that same video again. I was like, we just saw that because the whole background was different. It was a stadium setting across the parking lot with a fence around it, you know, and, and when they were at the KGB headquarters and stuff, it was like out in the country and stuff. It was, you know, with a, a big wall around it. And then there were trees and hills and stuff like that. So, man, I just this is the kind of stuff that influenced us as a kid. But because I was able to see through that and be, use my creative side, I'm able to, you know, fix, fix my way through certain situations in life where a lot of people wouldn't know how to think about it. I'd be thinking outside the box and I'd be like, hmm, that's why I can offer stuff as a mentor to young people, man. Let me offer suggestions to you. I want to, to know because I lived through the ultimate episodes the ones that were the most rule-breaking, non-law-abiding, one of the shows that was the most rule-breaking, non-law-abiding, The Dukes of Hazard, And everybody wanted to see that. Back when you could carry a lunchbox, The Dukes of Hazard lunchbox was the one to have, especially if it had the matching uh, thermos that was with it. Let's analyze The Dukes of Hazard for a minute. Here are two outlaws, uh, their cousins. I think one of them had done some jail time, and the other one was just a freewheeler. Their Uncle Jesse is a moonshiner, and will haul moonshine around and make it on their farm. They have uh, a cousin, Daisy, who's cute and drives a Jeep and wears little, you know, Daisy Duke shorts are that. Now they're cut off jeans that have been frayed on the edges. They're, it's because of her. That's the way she used to dress. And she was hot. Catherine Bach was hot back in the day, man. Everybody had a crush on her. Then there was the police officer in town, and then the guy who was ba basically a small-town mob boss. Boss Hogg was his name, and the police officer, uh, there were several of them, there was Cletus, the, there was also uh, Roscoe P. Coltrane, and in the beginning episodes, man, it would show them, and like other gangsters would come to town, and somehow or another, they get involved in their plot, and end up jumping their car, they had a 1969 Dodge Charger, and it was always flying through the air. Every episode, there was at least one car jump. And you'd see it smash. It would land nose down and the nose would bend up and the frame of the car would bend up. But then it would just take right off like nothing had happened. But they were always running from the police. Running from the police is not something that we do nowadays. You cannot outrun 
the radio back then, unless you were in the uh, the General Lee and you knew all the little side roads and everything that happened. And this was supposed to be someplace in Georgia where this happened. So, and had, you know, it, it was just a popular show all the way around. But analyzing it now, I look back upon it and I was like, oh my God, look how illegal everything was. They would show Jesse delivering uh, moonshine. It would show the Duke boys, you know, in car races and stuff like that and jumping the car and you know, shooting flaming arrows and always trying to thwart the cops. I always thought, man, what if they worked together? I wonder if they could do more business if Roscoe P. Coltrane and Uncle Jesse just kind of worked together and Boss Hogg worked with the Duke boys and Daisy because Daisy worked at the bar where Boss Hogg, he owned the bar. But I look back on all these things that influenced me as a kid, and I'm like, holy crap, how did I not go to jail as a young adult And for some of the things that influenced us, man? Nowadays, people blame video games and violence on younger folks because they play video games, and sometimes, you know, it leads to a violenter game. But look what we were influenced by, man. Dukes of Hazard. Ask your parents about it, man. Ask your grandparents about it. It was the show to watch. It moved, you know, all around. It was on a Friday night at one point during one season. It was on a Thursday night. It was on a Saturday night. They were all classic episodes of how to break the law, man. Even the ones that gave us these heroes. Here we had these outlaw heroes like Frank and Jesse James, except they were called the, the Duke Boys. Never opened the doors of the car. It was welded. It was a race car. It had, you know, a five-point cage in it and a five-point harness in it. And they used to slide in and out the windows. And they used to, one of them would slide across the hood and, you know, get to the side of the car and just jump right in the car. And the other jump right in the car in the driver's seat and they'd just take right off, man. Never let the damn thing warm up or nothing. I can't do that in my truck, man. My truck has to let it win. It's an older car, too. It just, it's got to be warmed up. So look at the stuff that influenced you as a kid, man. And look at the way you live your life now. Are there changes you can make? You never know. Sometimes you need to go back and analyze the stuff that influenced you. And that's why I look at all these old episodes of stuff and I'm like, man, that was some cool stuff back then. But whole man, is it illegal nowadays? Be careful about how you go about your life and how you live it. Make sure that you lead with your right foot, man. Never put that left foot forward. It's going to get smashed every time. So think thoroughly before you make a move and make the right move, man. Do the things in life that are going to bring you the most. Think about all the things you do. And just because you were influenced by something at this kid doesn't necessarily mean that it should influence you now. Because the examples I gave, classic examples. So I think I'm going to go ahead and end the episode on that. I just want other people to know, especially young people, not enough of you young people think the technology is right there in front of your hands. Sometimes you have to think around the technology in order to make your better decisions in life. So yes, it's easy to buy beard oil or whatever you need online on your phone. Myself, I like to go to the store, but I like the human aspect out of it, which technology takes out of the actual going and talking to people. I've always been good at that. I still like doing it today. If you don't do that, maybe that's something you should think about and try. So anyway, uh, like, follow, and share. And if you know somebody who can listen to this episode or gather something from it, please share it with them. Or if you just found it kind of entertaining, just go ahead and share it with them. I don't mind. It's what I'm, it's what I'm here about. Like, follow, and share. And please, I want all of you to have a nice day.